God has a God has a residual system built in. What I mean by that is God worked for six days and then he rested the seventh day, not because he was tired, but he believed in creating a system that is self-operating and he sat down because the moment he would stand up from that throne, someone else would take it. So he sat down but he created a system that would work for him. And we see angels and we see uh, heavenly beings. Is that load shedding? Not exactly sure. Something. So it's, uh, it's, it's angels. It is uh, heavenly beings. And then he created you and I to tend the garden. The Bible says, you know, we have a great saying. And we say that man has been created to worship God. And it, is, it sounds good, it sounds noble, and obviously we have to worship Him. We want to worship Him. But nowhere does it say we've been created to worship Him. I'm going to say it again. Nowhere in the Bible will you find a verse where it says we've been created to worship Him. We've been created to tend to the garden. We have been created to rule, to reign, to have dominion, to multiply, be fruitful. To tend, God keep, subdue, replenish, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That was the reason for your creation. So the moment you don't operate in the authority of the original intent for your life, you will feel, you see, this is why men beat up women. Because they feel they have, there's a sense of power that is not given to them. I'm not saying in every case, please, I'm not, and I'm not allowing, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying you'll have men that are, with the moment a male figure is removed out of a certain place of authority, he becomes frustrated. Let me say this, the desire of power that you have is not evil. Yeah. It's silent. Your pastor lied to you. Tonight we're going to open up a lot of things. This pastor lied to you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the sense and the desire of power is not evil. It is inherent in you. That God has given to you to rule and to reign. He is not into a church that is fake, humble, wimping. Oh, we're just doing this. We're suffering. And we believe in poverty. No, why are wicked men prospering? But yet the church struggles. It is because their mind has been shifted to believe that money is evil. So how can something come to you if you believe it's evil? Are you guys with me? I know it is not, it is not the same. Don't worry, we'll get to the Shandai, Shandai, hallelujah stuff now. And we'll run and we'll preach. I'm just working something because the church has been lied to because you don't the gospel is not spread through prayer you don't become successful because of prayer otherwise you'd be very successful you cannot do anything without money Money is not evil. 
It is the love of money that is evil. What is the love of money? When I love money, no. The love of, meaning that it becomes alive to you, it becomes mammon to you. That's when it becomes evil. When money has you, not when you have it. Nowhere, everywhere where we look in the scripture, when you look at God's patriarchs, and where His glory rested upon, gold would follow, prosperity would be there, money would be there. The Bible says that Abraham was so rich and his son Isaac was so wealthy that the king of that, of that region came and said, depart from us, leave us, leave the country because you are too great for us. What has happened, church? That we believe that poverty equals spirituality. In fact, Jesus turned it around and he says, if you're not faithful with earthly riches, you will never be entrusted with heavenly riches. Meaning if you're not faithful with earthly riches, you cannot be entrusted with the anointing of heaven. Meaning that God counts spirituality by the way that money is handled. I've learned one lesson. In employing many people many many people you employ those who are not faithful with money you set yourself up for failure you employ those who were faithful with money or were faithful in the world you set yourself up for success many business owners feel so sorry for some guy because you're no shame, you're not getting any job. No, you're not a charity, you're a business. But somehow the church thinks they are a charity. No, the church has a charity arm. But the church is a business. Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. Then Acts chapter number 6, they said, let's appoint seven over the business of the church. So the church is a business. And if we didn't run the church according to proper business ethics and principles, none of this would be here. Because the church has changed to a begging thing and not, you know, just living on the charity of God. They say they don't want to be rich, but, or anybody that is rich is evil, but the moment they need money, they, goes to the, they go to those who are rich. It's a problem. It's a disease. Because the Lord has appointed Cape Town for revival many years ago. It's nothing significant. But the rivers has to flow out of this place. Because as I was walking, the Lord said to me, tell them and remind them many generals who came through this place. Not Pretoria, not Johannesburg, but many generals, many generals in the kingdom has come through Cape Town and has marked Cape Town. But if Cape Town can understand that the wells of revival has been redug and has been opened, you're going to begin to find out that out of your belly will flow rivers, rivers of living water that shall flow out of your belly and shall touch many. When we understand our created identity, as I said, when was it last night or the night before? 
Is there a heaven to go to? Absolutely. Do I believe in a literal heaven? Absolutely. But Jesus did something. And Paul said something very peculiar. Do I believe heaven is a little place we go to? Absolutely. Do I believe in the new Jerusalem coming down on the earth? Absolutely. But Paul said something. He said there's a duality about you. There's a part of you that is on this earth. But then there's another part of you that is seated in heavenly places. It is called positional authority. Meaning, that when you shift into alignment of your positional authority, it is when you are changed into another man. Where did this happen in scripture? The Bible says that the Spirit of God breathed, uh, moved, rushed upon Saul. And he was changed into another, into the other man. What is the other man? There was another man about him. Then Jesus went up to Mount of Transfiguration to show us something. That you could tap into a glorified state before you lay this body down. And his clothes began to shine and his face began to shine. There's something about a person's face. The Bible says, beholding the glory of the Lord, looking into a mirror. As looking into a mirror, beholding the glory, being changed into that same image from glory to glory. But he's saying something strange. He's saying as looking into a. So where's the glory? I'm going to say it again. It is as looking into a mirror. So where is the glory? That is why when Jacob wrestled with God at Bethel, the Bible says that first he wrestled a man. And then afterwards he realized, he said, I wrestled with God. But what did he wrestle with? A man. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There's something about your face that when Moses was on Mount Sinai and he came down from Mount Sinai, that his face shone with the glory. Then Jesus went on to Mount Transfiguration. And the moment he came down, what happened? His face began to shine with the glory. And Paul is saying now in the new covenant, it is no longer the old covenant where we are reflecting. It is no longer the old covenant where the glory is fading away because Moses had to put a veil over his face so that the people don't see that the glory is fading. But Paul says under the new covenant, there is an ever increasing anointing and an ever increasing more and that he is the first
Even though God creation stand idea long original be patient are you guys of God The mind Do you think so the Bible says that we doesn't say and I be creation. Anyway, to see what is it? It is there not to those Jesus. Take a pain that. This whole footnotes stand news. This thing in this flesh is what we keep. And this is that we get that not one moment, moment you have your conscience in the blood, therefore.
Next verse. Preach from my mind. I preach somewhere. Um, Stop, read it. Stop. Stop. Is To, you see, because we've been to the church. See the spirit. No, the good.
Uh, we raise the dead. It's beautiful, but what is he doing now? Has the cloud moved on? Because you're still speaking about 20 years ago. Move with the clouds. Are you guys with me? Because you see, everything in you is locked up in that. Your destiny, your future is locked up in an adereth that God sends into your region. I always say that those who are my sons or my son, they cannot unsun themselves. They can run, they can do whatever. But if you're a son, you're a son. That is how it works in the spiritual. But you must allow yourself to be begotten. Paul says, I have begotten you in the Lord Jesus Christ. But a lot of church members want to stay church members. They don't want to allow themselves to be begotten, to be birthed. To go through the process. To go from touching the mantle to possessing the mantle. We shall touch on tonight what is the test of that. Are you guys with me? And it's going to be a glorious evening when the power is going to fall for the mantle to come on you. We have a lot of people. We have over 1,500 people watching right now uh, from all over. So um, you, don't, you have to be a fool not to know that God is in this place. You have to be so spiritually blinded to know that God is not here and God is not moving in this church. Be found in a place where God is. It's got nothing to do with an individual, yet God chooses an individual. It's got nothing to do with it because God places an adereth, a mantle upon a person. That mantle has a certain grace that extends. It's like branches. In fact, the word mantle means a branch. And it means a door and it means access and it means an entryway when it gets into the ancient Hebrew. So a mantle has the ability to stretch and cover a certain amount of people. And a mantle can grow as God increases that grace to stretch more. So God will send the dead or He'll send mantles into, with assignments into regions. And they will carry a grace to set people free. For the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 7 that to each one is given, to all is given grace. What does it say in Ephesians? It, to, to each one of us grace was given. Say, all of us grace is given. According. So it says, in, in determined by one thing. According to the measure, to the adereth of Christ's gifts. Who is Christ's gift? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. To the measure that that gift is, is the measure that grace is extended to. I'm not speaking of grace of salvation. I'm speaking of grace to grow. I'm speaking of grace for calling, grace for ministry. Are you guys with me? And the tougher the ministry, or the greater or more anointed the ministry, the tougher the serving the tougher the sacrifice, but the greater the rewards. You know, South Africa needs a revival, but the church is too dead 
in many regions that we come from uh, except in encounter and uh, but but the church is dead yet South Africa needs a revival uh, you know we come back from America and there is a revival in America at the moment but legalism oh my god the moment I preach the good news in fact, I, I made a statement. I said, you will see prophets beginning to preach the message of grace. I'm preaching two months afterwards. Prophets all over began to preach it. One prophet, very, one of your most legalistic prophets you can ever find. Made a video clip. I'm not going to mention his name. Many of you will know him. Very legalistic. Made a video clip and says, I confess that right now, God has given me a revelation of grace and he has forced me to preach it to you. Uh, and it's, it's a big person and I'm watching and he made a statement that only I make. He says, some call it the too good to be true news. And I said, you listen to my, you listen to my clip. Uh, it is the too good to be true news. It's too good to be true. If it wasn't, then nothing was special about Jesus. It is too good. The Bible says he came to, for the Gentiles to provoke the Jews unto So where the Jews, he comes to the Gentiles, he says, listen, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe. That's it, believe. And when you believe, you inherit and come into the same lineage of the Jews. And you will inherit the promise first so that I can provoke my nation unto jealousy and provoke them so that they can believe. Because I'm going to give it to a people who doesn't deserve it freely. It's like the marriage banquets where he says, go look for those that don't come in. No, 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 let's open it up to those who are on the streets, to those who are on the highways and the byways who don't deserve it and who never expected it. Let's dress them, give them robes, and let them come in. Meaning that you've been dressed for an event that you never expected, that you never deserved. It's like the prodigal son. When he came back to the father, he received a robe, and he received more back of the inheritance than he had lost. It's called grace. He didn't even have to confess his sin to his father. And his father came and running and hugged him. I will not open in a conference theological matters on the confession of sin and repentance and believing and salvation and so on. I'm just dropping some things to you. But when you really get into that, the Bible really contradicts itself because we don't understand or read the Bible properly. And then it brings confusion. And then people Matthew 7, 21. And you know, fighting us to want to go. Why must I, like, God bless you, go believe in that. I'll mess you up with every single come to me to tell me that a Christian is going to end up in hell. I'll mess you up with every verse. Every single one. The devil, the, hell is made for two things. The devil and his angels, number one. The devil and his demons, let me say it like that. And unbelievers. So we're preaching universalism? Absolutely not. 
but no believer will find themselves there. I am very bold in preaching it, but I'm convinced beyond anything that anybody can say to me. This is the man that I met face to face. This is the angel, it's angels that were sent to me in physical, in person, to minister to me, to plant this work. That same angel is called the angel of encounter. That every church we plant to wherever you are, rocks up. He was your last night. That's the angel of it. That's assigned to this ministry. I showed him to you on photos. Last night was a last night. Sunday night. Showed the angels. That's the angel of encounter. Many times you'll see guest speakers come. I, I know. Positive and hasn't had many guest speakers, but where we are in age group, they can't stand by the pulpit. That angel pushes them to they, they're battling to stand there. These are reality. The Bible says we have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, with innumerable angels, the spirits of just men made righteous. The registered of heaven, the congregation of the church in heaven. We have come unto Mount Zion. Meaning that you have come. Not that you are going and we are going to march onto Mount Zion. No, you have come there already. You are a city on a hill. That means you are a location. Jesus says you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill meaning you are you are a city I don't know if you understand what I'm saying you are a location that is why in the old covenant Jacob had to anoint the stone at Bethel for angels to ascend and descend by that stone but in the New Testament it says we are living stones anointed by God, a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a called out once, where we walk, angels ascend and descend upon you. You are a walking, talking, open heaven. You, you are a walking, talking Eden. Who was Eden? Have your seats, have your seats. Who was Eden? Not what was Eden. Who was Eden? Because the Bible speaks about the garden of God. Then it speaks about the Garden of Eden. And then it speaks about Eden. So it speaks about three concepts. So who was Eden? And it is a three-hour teaching that I'm not going to get into. Out of Eden flowed four rivers. I think it's Pison, something, something, something. So... Four rivers flowed out of Eden. Came out of one river and then it went into four rivers. And the Bible says, Ezekiel 47, 8 or 9. It says, this guy doesn't know his Bible, relax. It's somewhere there. That the river will flow out of the temple. Are you guys with me? The temple built by human hands, the river will flow out of the, actually speaking of Mount Zion, is speaking of a river that comes down. So when you look at Eden, it's something that comes down. So then Jesus goes and he says, woman, if you drink of the water that I have, 
you will not thirst. And then she says, give me that water. What does he do? He doesn't preach salvation to her. Yet, he first prophesies. So what is the living water? She says, give me of that water. And he begins to prophesy. Meaning this is the sure word of prophecy. This Bible. When we prophesy to you, don't take it lightly. It is living waters coming to your soul. It brings life to you. And then we see salvation coming to it and so on. But he says, he, he says, in me is a fountain that never dries up. Then the Bible goes on and he says, drink of me. And this shall be a fountain in you springing forth with rivers. And then the Bible says, out of your belly. But in another translation, it says, out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water now the heart has four chambers so if out of the heart flows rivers there are four rivers that flows out of the heart if Jesus was the last Adam and Adam was the first Adam it means out of Jesus flew rivers out of you will flow rivers which means out of Adam flowed rivers meaning Adam was an Eden where God would come down and walk in the garden to visit man which means what is Eden it is inside of you where rivers will flow out of your heart you are a walking talking open heaven it is no longer going to a sanctuary to get into a river it is wherever you are it flows out of you come on the glory shouldn't only be here it should come out of you that is why Isaiah says Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In the old covenant, the glory came down. In the new covenant, the glory comes up and comes out. Get new creation realities. Are you guys with me? It's not heresy, don't worry. Relax. I am not saying you are Christ either. So I don't never want people to put words in my mouth. Never. You are not Christ. I am not Christ. Collectively, we are the body of Christ. Christ is both the head and the body. So collectively, when the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory, it actually means Christ in us. In the Greek it's plural. So never do I say you are Christ and I am Christ. But collectively we are Christ. Christ actually goes much deeper. Christ is the Christos, the Mashiach, the mantle, the Adedeth. That also came upon the Christ. Because he was the Christ when he was even born. He was the Messiah when he was born. So he didn't become Christ. He was the Messiah when he was born. He was the Mashiach, the anointed. But then the Christ and the Christos, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of his dear Son, Christ, that was sent to us, was also came upon him. It is that a death that's going to come upon you tonight. So say with me new creation realities. So if you, I'm blood washed, that is if you have believed. If not, tonight you will believe. 
and you'll confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And you'll believe in your heart and you'll confess with your mouth. And that is all. Now, the Spirit of God is going to begin to work in you. And He will push you towards good works. But work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, you must work out your salvation. You must work. No. Jesus said, These that cast out devils and they will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done this? Have we not done all these wondrous works in your name? And I shall say, I never knew you. When it comes to works, God doesn't know you. So I shall work out my salvation. No, no, no. Read the next verse. The verse isn't even finished. It says, it's God that will work in you, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure. Allow His grace to work in you. Am I giving you a license to sin? You already sinned before you came here. You're giving you no license to sin. Legalism preaching, legalistic preaching, works preaching, where the preacher is saying you are bad, da-da-da, da-da-da. That is giving you a license to sin. Because the Bible says the law strengthens sin. Romans 7, put on Romans 7 verse 8. Somebody stand here, Albertus, stand, stand there. He looks like a sinner, so that's good. <laughs> I want you to read this verse. How does sin work? How does sin work? But sin, taking opportunity, say with me, finding opportunity. So I'm just changing the wording so that you can understand. That's all. I'm making it a modern translation. Sin comes... It comes to your life and it looks for an opportunity. It's finding an opportunity. And then it finds an opportunity, let's say in there. It finds an opportunity by the commandment, which is the law. So the way sin comes, sin comes to you. And the only way it can enter your life is through the law. So it found an opportunity to come into me, Paul is saying, by the law. And then when it came into me, it produced in me all manner of evil. The King James would say, all manner of concupiscence, all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Say with me, apart from the law, sin was dead. So get the law out of you. Let me make it a bit more clear for you to remember. Get the law the hell out of you. Which means once you get the law out, you get hell out. Because when the law is not, sin is dead. See how difficult it is for the church to, I'm just scrubbing your brain. So that you can live a life that is, domi that is dominated by grace. Because it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Jesus came to the prostitute and she never even asked forgiveness. No, you can stand, you can stand, it's fine. He, he never asked forgiveness and he said, go and sin no more. She never said she's sorry. He came to give good news. The thief on the cross never asked forgiveness. It's the good news. I say you mustn't ask forgiveness. No, no, no. Stick to the orthodox things. I'm just giving you the exaggeration. 
to you to understand the power of His grace. Because many people, minds are blocked, unable to receive. Do you know the people we battle to preach to are those who have received sitting in religious churches? And I know it is not you. you they cannot receive. The glory of God only comes in where grace is understood. I've moved in the presence and in services a lot. The glory comes in where grace is understood. And there's a revelation of grace. You'll always see the strength of the glory of God increasing. Because the glory comes where there's grace. That's it. And where the glory is and where grace is, there's prosperity. So go verse 14. Let's see what verse 14 says. Romans 8 verse 14. Wait, go one verse back. One verse back. One verse back. Yeah, for sin, finding the occasion. This is, this is the second time Paul is saying, now when, he's, when he is repeating something, is very important. For sin, finding the occasion by the law. It found an occasion in your life through the law. It came into me, Paul said, it deceived me, and by it, it killed me. Next verse. And then it can go on, and it will actually say that in me sin revived. It uses the word revived, which means there's only two places the Bible is really speaking about revival. It's revival of sin, and where, Paul, where David is saying, revive us, O Lord, so that we can call upon your name again. Meaning you cannot even pray without revival. A lot of people pray for revival. No. He says, revive us, O Lord, so that we can call upon you. Have your seat. It's fine. Oh, you guys understand what I'm saying? We have this thing other way around. You're a human being, not a human doing. Receive the grace of God. Why am I preaching this? So that when we pray for mantles or the adedith, that it will come upon you. Now let me say this. Because it has to be received. And we battle to receive. When we feel. That we are not qualified to. And when we are condemned. We cannot receive. The Bible says that many of our hearts condemn us. You need to understand the power of the blood tonight. You see the adherent is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and covers but when the Holy Spirit comes before it can come, blood needs to be there. So the Holy Spirit can only come upon blood. He can only come upon blood. That's why when the Holy Spirit hovered in Genesis chapter number 1 verse 2 upon the waters, it was like a mantle, there had to be blood in the water. That's why the Lamb was slain before the foundations of this world. Because the Holy Spirit hovered. So when the mantle comes, so when Adam and Eve try to make their own coverings out of fig leaves, God says, no, 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 I need to slaughter an animal and make your coverings of an animal because the covering requires blood for it to protect you. So a lot of people have made for themselves coverings. Where God is saying, I will make, when the mantle comes on you, it comes on blood. When the Holy Ghost is going to fall, when the glory is going to fall, it comes because of blood. When you understand the power of the working of the blood, and it has washed your conscience, especially your subconscious, 
of dead works that there's nothing in your conscience that can condemn you that is when the blood has done its full work you receive the grace of God you receive the good news knowing that hell is not your destination and how wonderful will it be to preach the gospel now to somebody because you are not worried about your own salvation you can give it freely assured of your own salvation eternally secured the Bible says we have no that we are saved we know that we are saved because we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren but we are assured of our salvation that is why we can minister to others the gift doesn't flow out of people because they're still wondering they're still thinking we have this mindset in the church you know I'm gonna give an account for every idle word and there are many judgments but you know, Leon, does every sin has consequences? Absolutely, in this life. So will your sin find you out? Yes, in this life. So many Christians live a life miserable. It feels like, it feels like they're going to hell. Because they're living a life of sin. So it's the consequences of sin that's playing out. So what is the consequence of sin? Death. So what, what will God do? If you are His child and there's sin, then He will discipline you. If God does not discipline you, you are not His child. So there are three signs of salvation. Not works, not fruits, signs. Three signs of salvation only in Scripture. Number one, that your spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that you are saved. That's the first sign that you know that you are saved. The second sign of salvation is this, that you love the brethren. The Bible says we know that we are saved and have passed from death to life, that we love the brethren. So I have a love for the church and to be in fellowship. It's another sign of my salvation. The third sign of salvation is this, I know that I'm saved because the word says I'm saved when I accepted Jesus Christ. That's the third sign of salvation. You can put in any order you want. But there's a fourth one that I like to put, which is the discipline of God. Because the Bible says that He does not discipline an illegitimate son. The chastisement of the Lord comes upon a legitimate son. So what is the discipline of God? It is sometimes a slap of the Holy Ghost on you. You feel convicted. You feel horrible. You don't listen. It gets stronger and stronger. You don't listen. Guess what? Now blessings begins to fade away. Now His manifest presence begins to fade away. All of a sudden His favor begins to fade away. All of a sudden breakthrough begins to fade. What is He doing? It's the prodigal situation. He's allowing that to happen for you to come to your senses. To say, I want to get back to my father. I'm not going to hell, but I want to get back to my father because I still have a life to live on this earth. And it'll be so miserable that it'll feel like I'm ending up in hell one day. Until it comes to a place of even sickness, if I want to really get controversial. Even death for God to protect you. I know it goes against a lot of people's man-made doctrines. But the consequences of sin is death. So God 
as much as he was a father, he's also a righteous judge. That is why Satan can come and accuse you before him, but you are covered by the blood. The problem is not Satan accusing us. The problem is Satan coming into believers and accusing us on the earth. That is why the Bible calls him the Satanos. Because Satan is not his name. It's his job, fu job function. Lucifer is his name. Are you guys with me? A lot of us uh, confuse and think Satan is his name. No, no, no. A believer, Jesus turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Not because he was possessed. He became Satan. He took the job function of Satan. And he began to accuse the brethren. So when I accuse my brothers and my sisters, guess what? I become Satan. Am I saying that there's no Lucifer? No, no, Lucifer is there. Where one of his 17, 18, 19, actually 21 job functions is Satan. That's just one. So many people call it the names of, it's not really the names of the devil. It is the functions, the job functions of the devil. So if we are dead so the mantle comes in four things. It abides upon your life. You have a personal mantle, you have a corporate mantle. It requires association, meaning your association must be correct. Number two, it requires what environment you are in. You can be in a dead church and be praying to God for a miracle. Nothing's happening. Or you can be in a dead environment. There's nothing at your home happening. The environment has to be shifted and that is shifted because of association. Let me, let's go to a story. The third one is, uh, say with me, atmosphere. The mantle and the adereth comes because of the atmosphere of, that is around you in the atmosphere of a place that you are in. And then number four, uh, number five is, uh, is placing a demand. The adereth will come upon you when a demand is placed. But what am I saying? God anoints a man, puts him into a God anoints a man by giving him an adereth then places him in a location then the location of the anointing is not a place but a man because you are a city you are a location so God anoints a man puts an adereth upon him puts him in a location you find he draws you to a location to serve an adereth that is upon a man which is the vision. And then you partake of that adereth, which means that you touch the adereth, you touch the mantle. But then there's a season between touching the mantle to possessing the mantle. Are you guys with me? Many has touched the mantle. Even tonight you're going to touch the mantle. But to possess the mantle is something else. It requires tests. And it requires years and time. It requires death. It requires a lot of things. Until the choosing of the adereth comes. And the mantle of heaven begins to choose you. For you to possess it. And then once you possess it, it requires certain things about you. It requires you to remove the old and put on the new. But the moment it possesses you, even the way you look, the way you dress, the way you talk changes. Because when they looked at Elisha, when he came back receiving the mantle from Elijah, they said the spirit of Elijah is resting upon Elisha. 
When they looked at John, they said about John, they said the spirit and the power of Elijah is resting upon John. He comes in the spirit and the power. So what? So John looked like Elijah. And some commentators will tell you he was Elijah. Even Jesus says John was Elijah who came. So there's a difference between the soul and the spirit. The spirit comes from heaven. The soul. Go read your Bible. The Bible says man became a living soul. So your spirit comes from heaven, but your soul was created here. You man became, when spirit and flesh combined, man became a living soul. That's what the Bible says. I just read the Bible as it is. Let's go to 1 Kings 19 verse 19. We'll be quick, we'll be quick, we'll be quick. So he departed from there and found Elisha. So I said uh, two nights ago, the dead of the mantle finds you. You don't find it. It chooses you. You don't choose it. It seeks you. You don't seek it. The son of, it found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12, speaking of Jesus and his disciples. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left him. He threw his mantle. He cast at him, so he touched the mantle. But then he took his mantle back. And he left. And Elisha saw this. He understood this as a sign of receiving the prophetic, the power of the prophetic, because the adereth is the prophetic mantle. And he left the oxen and ran and Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again. And we know the story. And he burned his equipment, and he ran after Elijah and became his servant. Say with me, his servant. So you can never possess a mantle. The moment the mantle touches you, you have to run after it and become its servant. I have never seen a man of God used without being a servant to another man. Never. It doesn't exist. If they are existing, they are not men of God. They are illegitimate. Never. You will never see anybody drawing more than 15, 20 people that has not served someone. Never. He can be the most righteous, sinless, perfected, even anointed and called person. But if he's not sent, heaven hasn't backed him. If he has not served a man, it doesn't happen. So why am I saying the dead of the mantle is so important? Because your very destiny is locked up in it. You see, Elisha's destiny was locked up in Elijah. Where the sons of the prophets, let me carry on reading. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 2 verse 1. 1 Kings chapter number 2 verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah. In actual fact, it's very powerful. It says when the Lord was about to lift him up. You want to be around your man of God when he gets promoted. When the Lord was about to lift up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now Elijah was known for traveling with whirlwinds. He was known. He was known for, char for traveling by his chariots. He was a chariot. Elisha, my father, my father, the chariot and its horsemen. Then the Lord said to Elisha, stay here. 
Uh, sorry, then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. If your spiritual father has never rejected you or tried to push you away, you have not gone through tests yet. But Elisha, uh, Elisha the Lord lives, so, so went down to Bethel. So they went from Gilgal to Bethel. So if you Gilgal. The first test that Elisha passed was Gilgal. Gilgal was called the place of circumcision. It was the place of cutting flesh, unwanted flesh. It was the place of, um, of the stopping of the supernatural provision of God. Um, it was where the manna ceased for the Israelites. And it was the place where they were circumcised, the heel of circumcision. So Gilgal is a test for you to go from touching to possessing the mantle. You have to go past a place called Gilgal, which means that it is a dying to your flesh. The problem is we're sitting with so many Christians in church today that is alive and not dead. Uzzah, when Uzzah touched the ark, he was alive, he wasn't dead. That was the problem. So when Uzzah touched the ark and the glory killed him, he was alive. Why do I say he was alive? He reacted to the glory falling. There's nothing more irritating for somebody who carries the anointing that I have somebody around them that is in the flesh and they think they are doing right but yet they're opposing the very spirit of God. They would run and go and do this thing. They would go and show, they would try to do this and then they will come and talk to you in times that the Holy Spirit is not approving because they are insensitive to His glory. They are insensitive to the anointing. So then you are rude and you're saying shut up or be quiet or whatever, then guess what? They take offense because they're not spiritual, they're natural. And so spiritual realities are not understood. And that is why some are anointed and promoted and some are not. So you need to discern. It's called protecting the anointing that is upon somebody's life. That is why Catherine Kuhlman never spoke to anybody coming into a meeting. Because she knew there was an assignment upon her. There was the touch of God upon her that had to be protected to be released to the thousands. And if one sucker or one fool is going to talk or say something stupid, it's going to affect the anointing. Of and then it's going to cost somebody's healing and somebody's miracle. <laughs> so... So Gilgal is the first test where you need to be so dead that your flesh is dead and it cannot be in the way that you can discern the movements and the currents of the Spirit. As you can see, okay, I'm serving an anointed person. Okay, he's moving like this. It's not idolatry. Stop your liberal stuff. It's, it's if he is you know, I was watching this movie. It might not be. We're preaching grace. No, I'm joking. Okay, and I was watching this movie. And there's this mafia gang. Okay, and they training, they, they like, uh, 
they, 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 they grooming this one young guy to be part of this big ringleader. And they're busy doing this deal uh, with some cartels and so on. And, and they're standing there, and I took note of this. And through a movie, that wasn't the purest movie, God is speaking to me. And I'm watching this while I'm doing this conference, by the way. I'm just provoking you. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> and yet some of you won't even do that and you have so many demons. What's going on? It's legalism that brings demons. Am I giving you a license to sin? No. I'm not giving you a license to sin. I asked somebody a question. Remember, I'll, I'll go on with that point. I asked somebody a question. When, when I preached the message of the good news in my church, I said, tell me something. How many of you believe that if somebody now gets saved, born again, spirit-filled, tongues, they on fire? And they go and shoot 20 people. Just go and shoot 20 people. And as they shoot the 20th person, they die. Without repenting. Tell me, are they in heaven or hell? So, the church silent. And one person, one couple put up their hand. Very sincerely, they said, no, they believe they're in hell. I said, okay, the, tell me why. They said, no, because, you know, he didn't repent. I said, it's valid. It's a good point. We need to understand what repentance is, but I said, it's, it's valid. I said, but then we have a big problem. Because Jesus came to raise the standard so high. He said this. He said, even if you hate your brother in your heart, you have committed murder. So he says, you have hated somebody 10 times a day. You have killed 10 people a day. So I was trying to explain how we still think. Am I saying you can go and sin? No, listen to me. When you encounter the grace, you won't want to go and sin. When you encounter the true salvation, saving power of God, Try and go and sin. If you ever want to hear God's voice, go and sin. I give you permission. If you say, I've never heard God speak to me, and you're filled with the Holy go and sin. Go, go pick up that beer, drink. Take five beers. I give you permission. You will hear His voice as clear as I'm speaking to you now. Telling you to stop it. This is not what I have for you. I've got better things for you. All of a sudden... Yeah, God will even begin to prophesy to you. Okay? So, stop being religious because God doesn't come into religiosity. So, I'm watching this movie and there's this cartel. And the ringleader or the bosses here or whatever and he's doing a deal. And they're waiting for people to arrive. And they're grooming. And there's, there's other people with him that's like part of his group. There's only four or so. And the young person they're grooming. You know, the person is standing for and he's standing there. And nobody was telling him where to stand as they were waiting for this arrival and for this deal to come. And you can see him walking and he's watching and he's staying close and he's going a little bit back. And he's staying close. And I'm thinking and I'm watching and I'm seeing this distance and this respect, even though he hates him because there's this whole thing. And, I, and I'm looking at this. Yet Christians will be like this. Let me, let me demonstrate to you something. Pastor Stephen, come stand here. They don't know how to delicately handle the adherence of God. Am I saying that we must be treated like idols? No, 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 no. 
We can be mere men also in the malls, but there is moments and seasons when God comes on you. And those moments need to be discerned. You see, Miriam and Aaron never discerned it. So God says, we are not afraid to speak against my servant Moses, my servant Ian Moses, that you stretch out your hand towards him and touch him. Now leprosy will come upon you. And they judged him for a sin that he did, which he should have been judged for. But God had a friend. Are you guys with me? Moses broke the own law he put in place. And God judged the others who try to correct him. So what is right in your eyes is not necessarily right in God's eyes. That is how it comes by the anointed. So now, you know, I see this, watching this movie, and I'm like, God, even people like this have discernment of sensitivity. But Christians will be like this. Let's say he fasted, he prayed, he's getting ready for a huge service. And uh, they'll just be like, hey, how are you? You know. Um, or as one of his guys that is serving him, you know, he's praying, he's being sensitive, and they just come. I don't know what. Okay. And they're just in his space. And you feel you want to rip the head off this person. And then you begin to feel bad, but it's not you, it's the adereth. It's the mantle. It's the anointing. He is a person. He is called the Holy Spirit. He needs to be handled delicately, carefully. So many people mishandle the adereth, mishandle the mantle, and they don't know why they're not inheriting. Are you guys with me? Thanks, thanks. They don't, know, they don't know why they keep missing it. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. God, why am I never inheriting the promise? You're mishandling the mantle. You can have an umbrella, which is the mantle, the adera, the covering. You can hold it sideways and it will not protect you. But you still have a covering and you can go and brag, I've got a covering. But it's not doing anything for you. Or you can lift it up and hold it correctly. And it can cover you from the rain. It can cover you from sun. So many people are not handling the adereth correctly. They're not passing the test of Gilgal. They're not dying to themselves. They're not cutting the flesh. Prophets will kill you until you have nothing left in you. I don't care if it takes 15 years, 20 years. But die, you will die, or leave, you will leave. <laughs> Are you guys with me? Gilgal. Then they said they went to Bethel. And he said to him, stay here. And he says, no, as my soul lives, as the Lord lives, I'm going after you, Elijah. Even if you reject me as, your, as my father, I'm coming after you. I know what I want. I've come too far because at this time he's already served him seven, eight years. And he gets to Bethel. The next test is Bethel. What is Bethel? The supernatural encounter open heaven. Meaning you can only encounter an open heaven when your, death, when your flesh is dead. Then you're entrusted with the supernatural. Then you're entrusted with the encounter of God. Then you're entrusted with the church. This is where people think that they have their own ministries. And they can leave and go start it. But they don't understand that the anointing is borrowed. They only touch the mantle. They're not yet possessing the mantle. 
So there is the anointing and an anointing. Are you guys with me? Many people have an anointing, not the anointing. An anointing is a borrowed anointing. It is a touched mantle. It is a borrowed accent. It is there while you are under the adereth. You can move in miracles, cast out devils. The moment you step out of that adereth, and you say, I'm going to go to the masses. God has called me and no one has sent me. But you know, I took a mic and went. You know, some are called, some are, some are sent, some took a mic and went. And I just take my mic because there's a calling on my life. Can't you see I'm called? I also have the anointing. Go and try. You're going to see one or two healed. It's just the residue of the mantle that's still on you. And then it begins to fade away. Then after a few months, you realize nothing is working anymore because the adherent is no longer working for you. You moved out because you were called but not sent. And that's the test of Bethel. Then they moved on and they went to Jericho. Once you touch Jericho, it is a place of obedience to instruction. This is where God said you shall march around the walls seven days with no sound. And then you shall shout. Meaning you'll be obedient to a prophetic instruction that shall come your way. This is where you are obedient. You want to go do something. And the one that is your adedith, is your mentor, is your, is your father or whoever, the church, the leader. And they say, no, you will not do this. You will do that. And the obedience to that instruction determines whether you pass the test or not. Once you pass the test of obedience, <laughs> once you pass the test of obedience, you get to a place called Jordan. It's the place of the double portion. And that's what the Lord said to me tonight. He said, I want you to pray for the church. For the double portion upon them. That they will not be ones who only touch this mantle. But they will be ones that will possess this mantle. Listen, I don't care if you're sitting in the back. You can be somebody in the back and you can be hungry. The mantle will find you. The adedith will choose you. The adedith will find you. And he it is God's business to make nobodies somebodies. It is God's business to make zeros a hero, to make those who are not known famous. I promise you right now, Elisha was known by nobody until the adedith came upon him. And all of a sudden, by chance, the king said, I need a prophecy. I need the word of the Lord. And one of his servants came to him and said, there's a man by the name of Elisha who washed the hands of Elijah. The word of the Lord is with him. Listen to me. When you possess the mantle, God will put your name on the lips of kings that will call for you. On the, on the lips of dignitaries that will call for you. But get to the place of possessing the mantle. Say with you, possessing the mantle. It is test. It is hard test. Have you seen? It is, it is different for everyone. One can be five years. Another one can be 20 years. And we can do the whole night prophecy instead of teaching. Trust me, this teaching will do much more for you than prophecy right now. These are the things I followed my whole life. These are the principles I followed my whole life. Don't think that they just started for us.
We were in the city preaching in the poorest of the poor areas. Being slaves to people, servants, years and years and years and years and years, until our desire for a ministry died completely. Serving men of God or a man of God until every dream, every desire died of my own ministry. Unless that thing dies, you are not ready. Unless you are ready to serve the vision of another man, you are not ready. That is God's order. We can be upset, but that is His protocol. That is His principle. That is how God operates. Then He takes those who man has never approved of and heaven approves of them. Then man gets upset because they didn't approve of them. And ministers get upset because they never approved of who's this one that is being used. Now God approved them. Let's leave these men alone. For if they are of God, then what they do will stand. And let's leave them alone lest we are fighting God. And so I say to those who are fighting and counter, rather for your sake, leave us alone. Lest you end up fighting God. Because many has tried and they ended up fighting God. They ended up with severe casualties. And there's nothing for us to boast in. My team, the Pastor Stephen has been with me 10 years. Others have been with me for 15 years, uh, 18 years. You see one after the other losing everything or dying that touches this anointing. Not me, the Adereth. If I never died, Pastor Stefan would not be here in Cape Town. This church would not be here. You would not be here and you would not be trained up. So what does God do? It's nothing about me. He just protects the Adereth around me. Angels are sent to a mantle, an Adereth. Angels are sent to an assignment, not to a person. To an assignment. They are there to protect the assignment that is upon a person. So how do you get angels around you? Get an assignment. How do you get an assignment? Get around somebody that has an assignment. Till God finds you to have your assignment. Not everybody has an assignment. I didn't have an assignment in the beginning. One had to lose his office. Elijah had to be lose his office before Elisha could take his office. And there were 7,000 others that God is saying that I've reserved that might never step into their calling, but guess what? They're going to get the rewards in heaven. That is how God works. It's not their choice. You don't choose to be chosen by God. You only align yourself, and if He's ready, then He takes you off the bench, and He uses you. And in one day, like David, when the anointing comes on you, you'll be anointed in the midst of your brethren. In one day, you'll slay a giant. In one day, you will become best friends with the son of a king called Jonathan. And you'll marry the daughter of the king, which David, which Saul had to give David. And you'll get lands and properties in one day when they are dead. Meaning when the mantle possesses you. What could not be achieved in 10 years, 20 years, having an Ishmael ministry, laboring and toiling and laboring and toiling, when the mantle comes on you, 
you will do in 10 months that others cannot do in 10 or 20 years. It's nothing but the grace, the mantle, and the adherence. What am I saying? Get into the right environment. Get into the right adherence. Serve an assignment that is sent from heaven. Serve a place where you can be anointed and charged and sent to do the work of God. Mm. Stand your feet. Stand your feet. Wherever you are, stand your feet. We're going to get business now. I want to close off with two more verses. So the mantle obviously fell upon Elisha and all that stuff. Let's go Isaiah 61 verse 7 as you're standing. Say with you the double portion. I'm giving you the promise of the double portion. Elisha said, my father, he says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. But nevertheless, if you see me taken from you, it shall be done so. But if not, it will not be done so. Meaning if you can spiritually see me, if you can see who I am to you in the spirit, for we regard no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. For if you can see who I am as a gift in me and the mantle on me, you shall have it. And the first thing you recognize, he said, you are my father. And number two, you are the chariot, the horseman of Israel. You are the gift because you traveled by a chariot. I saw, your, I saw you as my father and I saw you as the gift. And I inherited the double portion. And the Lord said to me, a few things regarding the church, that rivers will come out and we prophesied it. Rivers will come out, but there will be a double portion. The garments will be shifted. The new wine skin will come. No, you don't. No man puts a piece of new garment on an old garment. No, no, no. Uh, they put a new garment completely, a new wine skin completely, a kinos creation, a superhuman, never existed before, extraterrestrial, beyond this world, from another world. That's what kinos means. Never existed before, never created before, brand, totally brand new. Meaning, you're totally brand new. If any man be in Christ. So Christ is not a person, even though he was on Christ and Jesus, and Jesus was the Christ. Christ is also a location. It's an adereth, it's a place. Those who are in Christ, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a kinos creation. So the Lord said to me, tell them and pray for them. And I'm doing this by the instruction of God with the angel of the Lord as my witness in this place. That there will be a double portion. That whatever you see in the midst of a happening with encounter, that those who are possessing this mantle will see double coming to them and the Lord said to me tell them the clothing is changed and he said read Isaiah 61 verse 7 it says instead of your shame you shall have double honor and instead of confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore 
in their land, they shall possess double. Say, I will possess double. Everlasting joy shall be mine. Say with me, say, no more shame. Double portion. Go with you to Zechariah 9.12. As you're standing like this, Zechariah 9.12. Zechariah 9.12. We're going to pray for the double portion right now. Listen to this. Return to the stronghold. Ay, 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 ay. So if you return to the house, the Adereth is the stronghold. The Adereth actually means circle in the ancient Hebrew, which means protection, which means where the Adereth, encounter is not a church. Encounter is an Adereth. It is a mantle. Encounter is not a church. It is a revelation. For Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son, the living God. And Jesus says, for, for flesh and blood has not told this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. For I give unto you the keys of, of, of the kingdom. And whatsoever you shall bind, shall be bound, whatsoever you shall loose, shall be loose. For on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is it? Not the rock. The revelation that Peter got. Encounter is not a church, it's not a thought. The angel of the Lord visited me physically and said, Plant this church. It is a revelation from heaven. It is an adereth and a mantle that will cover you, your houses, your business. I'm speaking this by the grace of God as I understand the measure that is upon my life and the measure that is upon his life and the measure that the angel of the Lord carries in this place. You will be clothed with a supernatural. Listen to me. The clothing will come upon you tonight. Say, I will have double. So it says, return to the Adedath, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, say with me, today. Say tonight, I declare that I will have double. The Lord says, I declare I will restore double to you that the enemy has stolen. I prophesy double portion double portion of the mantle upon you clothing of shame to be removed every form of guilt and regret and condemnation tonight to be removed from your life I want you to put on the double portion by faith tonight say with me I will possess not only touch Say, I will possess this mantle in Jesus' name. Now I prophesy and I declare to you that there will be supernatural encounters in your life. There will be angelic assignments in your life. And the Lord will give you an adereth that you will go with. For you will be deliverers from Mount Zion. And you will be saviors that will come from Mount Zion, says the Spirit of the Lord to bring salvation and deliverance to others, says the Spirit of the living God. For I have marked this city and I mark this house. And mark this day and remember this day, says the Lord, where many will be chosen, where my mantle will fall on many, and I will choose many here. For many here I will put you in political governmental seats. For many will have seats in the house, in the judicial house. Many will have seats 
in Parliament, says the Lord. And do not limit me to a Christian party only, for you will see what I will do with you, says the Spirit of God. For the Lord is saying, pray this night against another flag that wants to raise itself in this country. Pray this night against another flag and pray this night against the convergence of two flags that wants to become one. For the country is praying for one party to come into power, but the Lord is saying you do not know what is behind that party. And do not assume that you know or assume that you think. For the Lord is saying, I have this, this land in my hands. I have this land in my hands. For many see corruption, but I see something else, says the Spirit of God. For the Lord is saying, I will bring a surprise. The country is praying for a great change, but the change is not yet at hand, says the Lord. Because I am waiting for my church. Many consider a great change that will come even next year. It's not yet year, says the Lord. For I am bringing a cleansing first, and I'm bringing a new wineskin upon my church. Because do not for one second think it is a government that will change your nation. For I have instituted a new government which is the Ecclesia of God, the Church of the Living God. And this is my Parliament system. And you are my ambassador, says the Lord. For the Lord is saying, pray and Church of South Africa. Pray against another flag that wants to raise its head in this nation. For I will squash one down by the finger of my hand and I will put one down by the finger of my hand and do not be deceived by the one that lifts the Bible but is not of me, says the Lord. Do not be deceived by the one who lifts the Bible but is not of me, says the Spirit of God. For keep praying and the righteous shall prevail in this nation. And the Lord is saying there will be a great revival like it was with Andrew Murray. For I am pouring out the anointing of mystics upon this nation. The anointing of those who have in heavenly encounters. Like it was with Andrew Murray. Like it was with John G. Lake. For the Lord is saying the glory which has been Ichabod for 20 years in this nation. 20 years there's been an Ichabod. There shall be a returning of the Kavod glory. And the ark is coming back, says the Lord. For my people will have a revelation that they are the ark of my glory. And they are the ark and the carriers of my glory. For they will not wait for one to come or another to come. They shall realize their new created identity. And I shall raise up them as the day of the saints, says the Spirit of the Lord. For out of this house will come many apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and I will anoint you by the Spirit of God. Even this night, do not underestimate when the mantles will fall tonight, even when you will place your seed on this altar tonight. Do not underestimate what the angel of the Lord will do here. For right now, my angels are arriving to anoint. My angels are arriving to chose and to mantle you in this place, says the Spirit of God. For the Lord is saying, the hand at the writing of the hand is on the wall, says the Lord. And I've weighed the nations by the scales, says the Spirit of God. For when it comes to the United States, they shall see favor next year. 
And then the Lord is saying the rivers shall begin to flow. But South Africa and Africa, do not think how small you are. For you are the biggest continent. You are the biggest location. And out of this place, I shall bring a unity in Africa called Pan-Africanism that shall bring a revival in this continent that even 20 years from now shall astound the globe and shall astound the nations of this world, says the Spirit of God. For the Lord is saying, I'm unlocking a lot of things and a curse that was on this nation. And many presidents I am meeting face to face, says the Spirit of the living God. But this house, I decree and declare, the adhereth to be stretched, the mantle to be stretched. I open up the north, the south, the east, and the west. For the Lord is saying, I'll bring in the angels of harvest that will bring in the people under the Sedereth in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him a praise offering where you are right Come on, praise him. The rains have begun in this city. The rains has begun and revival has been restored. For many pulpits shall see an experience and a growth. For the Lord is saying the heaven is open. Do not worry about liberalism. Do not worry about these things that will come in. I will rush with my spirit in this city and this nation. For this city shall be known as the ark, says the Lord, that shall carry many. And I will send many out from here. Says the Lord, for my angels is in this house to mantle you.